Where in the Bible does it talk about what you and I should be doing this very day? When we read the Old Testament, it talks about the time before Jesus the Messiah was coming. When we read the New Testament, it talks about a time when Jesus was actually here and walked on the earth. When we read in Revelation, it talks about a future time when Jesus the Messiah will come in his second coming. But where in the Bible does it talk about what you and I should be doing today? And the answer to that is the parables. The parables answer life's biggest questions. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, he states, Which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask him? So one of the most important questions we have pertains to our eternal salvation. And Jesus is making the point that for something so important, would God trick us about this? Would he be confusing about it? Would he mislead us about it? And the answer is no, he would not. Well, how do we know that he would not? And he answers it in this parable. Because you and I who are sinful, with our children, even though we're sinful and evil, we don't do deceptive things to our children. We don't take a bottle of Mountain Dew and pee into it and then hand it to our children to fool, to fool them. We don't give them um, a rock that has a similar appearance to bread and then have our, our little toddler eat it because they would break a tooth. We don't give um, our children a poisonous eel, some sort of a poisonous fish, and prepare it for dinner and say, eat it, because that would make them sick. So since you and I wouldn't do these things to our children, would our Father, God in heaven, give that to us, his children? No, he would not deceive us in, in such a way. Jesus speaks another parable about our, our salvation in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. And he talks about um, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Jesus is this landowner. And he went out early in the morning to hire men. The men are you and I. And he agreed to pay them a day's wage, which was a denarius. So he went out in the third hour and hired more workers. And then he did the same at the sixth hour, the nine hour, the eleventh hour. And then about five minutes at the end of the day, he found others still standing around and then ultimately hired them. When evening came and it was time to pay them their day's wages, he began with those that were hired five minutes until the end of the day. And he gave them a day's wage. And then he gave them the same that were hired at the 11th hour, the 9th hour, 6th hour, and the 3rd hour. Everyone got paid the same. Well, the people that came in first at the early hour, they were complaining. And Jesus, the landowner, had said, well, why are you complaining? You know, this is my money. If I want to pay them, it's not that you're being shortchanged. You're getting everything you were promised. So why would that matter to you? And the point that Jesus was making in this parable is that our salvation is the same. Whether we find God, our salvation on our deathbed, like that thief on the cross, or we find it early in life, maybe as a 12-year-old, and we continue our whole life in faith, 
when we die, we go to heaven. There's one heaven, one salvation. It's equal regardless when we come into faith. Then Jesus speaks another parable about our eternal salvation. This begins in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And he introduces two characters to us, two people. The first is somebody minding their own business, walking through a field, and they trip on something, and it turns out to be this hidden treasure that's valuable, and they, and they sell everything that they own to be able to purchase this. And then they also are introduced to another person, and this person is someone looking for a very valuable pearl. And this person is looking for it but cannot find it, but then one day comes upon it and then sells everything that they have to be able to purchase this pearl. And what Jesus is pointing out is this is you and I. You and I come into salvation in one of two ways. One, we're minding our own business and something happens in our life that suddenly makes us take God seriously. Perhaps it's a a cancer diagnosis. Perhaps it's an automobile accident. And what happens is while we're in this condition, we turn to God and we give up everything that we own, which is ourselves, and we surrender to God. The other person is somebody that is knows that God exists, knows that there is eternal salvation. They just can't find out how to do it. They're trying to do it through ritual. They're trying to do it in other churches. They're trying to do it in other religions. So they know it, but they just know they have not found it. And they're seeking. But then one day, perhaps by listening to a podcast or going to a Bible study, or maybe a neighbor gave them the gospel. And now they finally found what they were looking for. And they surrender. They give everything that they own and give it to God But Jesus continues so that you and I would not be misled that everybody will come into salvation. And he continues the story. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the door is shut, when we die, when Jesus comes in a second coming, judgment will happen. Those that have not come into faith will find eternal judgment. Jesus speaks another parable in Matthew chapter 25 beginning in verse 1. And this is about 10 virgins. And the virgins, once again, are you and I. And how are we prepared for when he comes in his second coming? Are we prepared with the Holy Spirit in us? Or are we empty? Are we, are we lacking? And the point of the parable is you have these 10 virgins that are prepared. They, they, they're... they're um, They're doing the things that they should be doing today based on what the parables are teaching us. And they have the Holy Spirit in them. They have the oil in them. But five of the ten virgins do not have the Holy Spirit in them. When the Messiah comes for the the judgment, for the wedding, the five that are prepared are ready to go and meet him. The other five do not have the Holy Spirit. They are not prepared they turn to the five that do have it and say, give us some of yours. Well, the Holy Spirit is not transferable. 
It doesn't matter how we were brought up, what religion we were in. Somebody else cannot give it to us. It doesn't matter if my father and my father's father and my father's father were pastors and and were very uh, devout in their faith. That does not transfer to me. If you had a billion people all in one religion, those billion people could be judged just as guilty as the one. So there's no comfort in numbers. You can't look at it and say, well, certainly a billion people can't be wrong. When it comes to judgment, it's like a turnstile. You go by individually. It's not by groups. So what other people believe, they cannot give it to you. It's not something you can wear. It comes from God. It is not transferable from one person to another. Jesus speaks another parable about our eternal salvation. This is in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. And this has a farmer, and the farmer is distributing his seed out in his field. And some of the seed had gone out on a path, and the birds had eaten it. Other seed had gone into a rocky places, and it didn't have much soil. The soil was shallow, and it grew, and when the sun came up, it scorched it and it withered and it died because it had no root. And then another seed, a third seed, had gone down and it was choked by weeds and thorns and, and, and other plants. And then there's finally a fourth soil. And this is the soil I hope you and I are. And this is the good soil that has been prepared. And when the seed goes in, it doesn't have rocks, it doesn't have clay, it doesn't have thorns, and it's able to grow and produce a bumper crop by bringing others into the faith. So this is the parable as Jesus describes it. He said the seed that goes on the path, that is something that never even took root. The birds came and ate it. Satan just came and snatched it away. Maybe you had some interest in the Bible or faith at one time, and then the phone rang and it got your mind off of it and, and you just never... Uh, you never even engaged with it. And then there's other soil that that really, it, it goes into shallow ground. So maybe you hear this podcast and you're like, hey, this is uh, interesting, this is exciting. Um, but what happens is you get um, you get to the point where if you don't engage with the Bible, if you don't uh, continue in it, you don't have a very much depth to it. So you're excited today. Yes, it does grow something, but the 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 sun at the heat of the day will evaporate your enthusiasm and you will give up on it. And then there's others that go into the soil, but um, there's weeds and there's thorns and, and there's other plants there. And what happens is it chokes it off. So, so what happens is sometimes our busy schedule, um, our priority is work and kids and, and all of those things. And we say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that later on in life when I have more time. So what happens is our, our, our schedules get so busy, it chokes it off. And then finally, you have the final soil that's prepared. And, and here we can accept it, we can continue in it, we can study it, we can grow it. And when we do, we turn to others and we want to share with them what we know. We want to share salvation with them. This is how I found it. This is how you can find it also. So we're seeing from the parables how they pertain to today and how they answer life's most important questions. One of those questions is, does everyone find salvation? So Jesus answers this in a couple of parables. One, 
He talks about in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the, the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So here you have this parable, and Jesus is clearly saying not everybody is going to go through it, that we come through, like I said, the turnstile one at a time. It's a narrow gate, but not only is that gate narrow, but it's on a pathway. So it's not on the main road. It's actually on a pathway. And on that pathway, you come across this narrow gate and you come through it. So finding salvation is not easy. And when you find it, what happens is that you have obstacles to it. So not only um, is it a narrow gate, but there's obstacles on it. You have false prophets that are trying to say, hey, get off of this path, go onto the wide road that leads to destruction. Satan is always trying to deceive. So it's not easy to find salvation, and that's why we have to know what the truth is. Two plus two only equals four. It doesn't equal any other number. Satan doesn't care what number you come up with. He doesn't want you to come up with the truth. So if you are in a false religion, Satan is as happy as could be. If you are following Mother Nature versus the creator of nature, Satan is as happy as could be. So that is the wide road. So when when you are on the narrow road that leads to a, a gate that's like a turnstile, that's the proper way. And the problem is that the wide road may include billions of people in one religion, and they're going just as they are, and they're going to destruction. So that is the that is the point, in that that heaven will be filled, but it will not be filled to capacity, because there will be many in hell. So that is the importance of the parable, and Jesus speaks another parable. Um, in, in similar fashion about uh, a kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for a son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said to those who had been invited, I have prepared my dinner. And he goes on and continues. So the point is we have an invitation. We have the prophets. We have the written word. We have uh, Bible studies. We have so many ways but if we are so distracted that we do not take advantage of when God is ready for us, when he calls us, if we're distracted with a busy schedule, we don't know if God's going to call us again. So we have to respond today because it is for eternity that we're making these decisions. And Jesus also says this story in Luke chapter four twenty-six. Um, in in the, the story, to paraphrase it, is Jesus has said, hey, there were many widows in this particular time that Jesus was speaking of. And there were many that had leprosy. 
in the time. But but Jesus is saying, you know what? Um, I, Isaiah did not go to this widow, and he didn't go to that person with, with leprosy. He looked for someone specific. So the point is, he walked by many people with leprosy, and he walked by many widows to find the one that he was looking for. And the point that Jesus was making in this in this conversation in Luke chapter 4, 26, is that, that not all are called. Just because you're a leper, just because you're a widow, doesn't mean you're called. He is calling specific ones. He's calling you specifically. But he may not call your mother. He may not call your brother. He may not call your next door neighbor. So you have to hope that he's calling you and you want to respond properly. Because at judgment, as Matthew 25, 31 says, there will be sheep and goats. And you have to ask yourself, which one will you be? And there's many other parables, so I'll just end with this one. And this is in Matthew chapter 7, 24. And once again, this has to do with our eternal salvation. And it's about a wise and foolish builder. And Jesus goes into this story, and he talks about how there were um, two houses that were built. One was on a firm foundation, and one was on soil, or was on sand. And when a storm came, it knocked the one that was on sand down, but the one that was on a rocky foundation was able to sustain it. And what Jesus is saying in this parable is when you and I look at other people, we cannot see their foundation. The foundation is beneath the ground. When I look at you and you look at me, we don't know what the foundation is. God will judge accordingly. And what happens is if someone's foundation is on soil, when a storm of life comes, like a hurricane, if you have two, if you have two buildings that are side by side, if you have um, a brother and a sister, a husband and a wife, a parent and a child, those are like two buildings side by side. And if a storm of life came, what is the foundation that is going to be built upon? Is it going to be on soil where it's going to collapse? Or is it built on the foundation of God's word and trust and faith in him? So the parables tell us that this is a time when Jesus told us we are to choose to build our house upon a foundation of the rock of God's word or ignore it and build it upon the sandy foundation of ritualism and evolution. This is the time Jesus told us we are to receive and plant God's word within us, bearing a good fruit, or we are to leave his word atop a rocky soil of a heavily walked on pathway of a busy schedule. This is the time Jesus told us we need to show up for his wedding banquet or join others with excuses why we were too busy to attend. This is the time Jesus told us our jars of oil of God's word are to be full in anticipation for his return or kept empty in surprise he did return. This is the time Jesus said we are to invest the gifts our master has given us before we give him a full accounting of our talents he entrusted to us while he was away. That's in Matthew 25, verse 14. This is the time Jesus told us Heaven celebrates when one of his lost sheep, coins, and sons are returned back to him. That's in Matthew 18, 12, Luke 15, 8, and Luke 15, 11. As the angels of heaven cheer our finding. This is the time Jesus said we choose the wide road that many will travel on leading to destruction or seek the hidden gate 
and narrow path that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus told us when we enter into heaven, we will be living in his house. He says that in John 14, in John chapter 14, verse 2, that we will be in his house, not in the city, not down the street, but in Jesus' own house where he has prepared a room for us, and I hope to see you there.